Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Swedberg and I welcome you back to another edition of training here on Blog Talk Radio with our wonderful guests. Our guest today is Taryn Swedberg, my daughter. I have two sons and a girl and Taryn is my only daughter and my good friend and she's an adult now who's experienced a lot on her own as well as um, helping with our family businesses originally and she's here to share with us some management training on delegation and team building. Now, Karen's had over 10 years of experience recruiting and managing teams of people from paid employees to volunteers and students. She shares her delegation hacks today that are going to help you to form any group of people into an enthusiastic team that uses their strengths to accomplish preset objectives. With that, I'd like to welcome you, Karen. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to have you and, and all of you that are listening. Uh, I'm sure if you're a mom or a dad, you understand how happy it makes me feel to have my own daughter on with me today. And Karen has uh, had a lot of background in doing different things through her life so far. She's she's uh, in Florida right now, and I'm in Minnesota, and she's heading back up this way uh, later this week. But right now we are communicating by phone to do this interview for you and excited to go over some things during this hour that are really going to help you with your team building and not only that with your delegation. We're going to talk about letting go and how that's different from losing control. We're going to talk about the importance of fun and what you do when you have round pegs for square holes and also why um, why the drawing can be better than a two-year-old. And we're going to talk about that. She's got some fun concepts here that we're going to go over. Also, why we should leave the hand-holding to lovers and how you can lose the wrapping but keep the chocolate so you're going to want to stay tuned for this whole hour and get all of these great insights from Karen. Karen, as we get going here, what is what is your thoughts about when you think about getting people to work with you or building a team or starting to learn how to delegate, what are some of the background thoughts that you bring with us? Well, background thoughts would be um, just how sometimes you get thrown into delegation. So sometimes delegation is a gift that you might naturally fall into, um, like Tom Sawyer. He just kind of naturally fell into that. Maybe you come into delegation through um, having too much on your plate or maybe you're promoted into a position where you have delegation, as I was, and you just are kind of forced to learn how to delegate. And so um, there's lots of different ways to come at this, and the way you're coming at it does, you know, change a lot about how you're going to delegate and how you need to find your own unique style of delegation. So I can share with you kind of how I figured out how to delegate and some of my style. Um, but then you'll have to play around and you'll have to find out your own way and your own style. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love you had a, you used the illustration about uh, Wikipedia and 
I love that because you said Wikipedia gets tens of thousands of people to invest their time for free to create its content. And how did they do that? And we're going to be talking a little bit about how to get people to sign on to your vision, to your dream, <laughs> to whatever it is that you need them to help you with, and not only paid employees but also possibly volunteers. So Karen, let's just dive right in there. And the first point, I love your first point because this is huge. Every person who's ever had responsibility over a team feels this. And it's what's the difference between letting go and losing control? So when you, when you launch into that, first of all, you know I kind of feel the pain of that question right away because having delegated some things and having them not turn out the way I'd hoped, you know we we've all had that experience, and it makes us want to pull back and quit doing that. You know we we want to stop because we want it to turn out right. Right, and this is where um, I kind of come at at, at the beginning. So if you're a Tom Sawyer delegation comes pretty easily for you. But if you're someone like me, um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I'm very competent at what I do. I love being on top and doing everything myself. And so when I was forced into a position of delegation um, or, you know, rose to that occasion and given that opportunity, uh, it was difficult for me at first because I really felt like I was losing some control because I had to give... um, let's say everything was under my control at first, and so everything was just exactly how Karen Swedberg would do it, and I thought I had the best way. And when you have to give the responsibility away, sometimes you can feel a little timid about it, and you worry that the other person isn't going to do as good of a job as you. So that would be the losing control feeling, and that's a pretty bad feeling. But what happened for me is you have to kind of change your perspective to it's letting go. There's a choice you're making. And when you let something go, it's not that it's being grabbed out of your hand. It's that you're actually giving it to someone who you trust and who you've trained in, and you're still going to be part of the process. It's sort of like, let's say, a big event is coming, and you're in charge of the photograph, and you're a pretty decent photographer, um, photographer, just naturally. And so you know that you can do the photograph. But... Um, this would be an area that you could delegate to someone. And it might feel, you could choose to let it feel like you're losing control of that area because maybe the photographer wouldn't do as good of a job as you. Or you could see it as letting go. You know, you're entrusting someone else with the responsibility, but you're still double-checking them. You're still, you know, choosing who it is. And it makes a big difference in just how you think about the problem and how you approach the opportunity. Yeah, I like it, and it, it's just a mental shift, the mental shift. And I think that some of the things that you brought up are so important. You still are in control of who you choose to delegate it to. You're in control of uh, how often you're checking in, what kind of uh, processes and, and uh, checks and balances there are going to be so that you can know that it's going to be done well. And you can even, like in the, in the example of the photographer, you can even do part of it yourself or um, just delegate out part of it too and have, have assistance. It, there's so many ways that we can do that. When you, think about, when you think about letting go, what are some of the places where maybe would say, for sure, let go of this kind of thing or don't let go of that kind of thing? Well, I think letting go is sometimes um, a game. And so I call it the and or or game. So that might be hard to hear over telephone, so it's and, A, and, D, or, or, O, R, game. 
times when you're in a position of authority, you know how you would do something. And so you say, I would like someone to create a list of um, media so that I can get my message out. And so you come at this task and you have a very certain mindset and you're looking for a very certain thing. And so I play the and or game. So I'm in an and situation, um, which kind of means it's a limited situation. It's this or that, or I'm in an or situation. I'm sorry if I confused you. I'm in an or situation where I have just a limited scope. I say either I will have a media list or I won't have a media list. And when you're delegating, it's important to there be more and situations. So when you're delegating, the hardest thing is to just realize that instead of just one person being involved in the situation, you actually have two people or more involved in a situation. And so if you're approaching someone, let's say I'm approaching someone to look up this media list for me, instead of saying, please find this media list, which is giving them just a task, I would say, I'm looking to reach 10,000 people with my message. I have this in mind, but do you have any other suggestions for me? Which kind of lets the person take a little bit of responsibility for that situation and lets them come up with some extra ideas for you, which are and ideas. So this is helpful for me in a lot of ways. When I approach someone with this kind of open, communicate a little bit better because I'm not closed-minded, and then it helps us if we generate like maybe five different ways to reach the people. Maybe instead of doing media, we could do it on Facebook. Maybe instead of doing media, they could do blog posts or um, they would find radio people or, you know, there's all sorts of ways to approach problems. So the unique thing about delegation is when you're letting go of a problem, you're actually opening up to a lot of different solutions that you as a single person maybe wouldn't be open to before that other person comes into the area and it actually might, and it usually does, turn out better. I love that. And <laughs> there's so many there's so many wins in that in that scenario that you just gave us, the plus and versus the either or. And one of them that I can think of right away is it gives the person you're asking so much more ownership. So instead of them quote unquote helping you with your project, they become more of a co owner with the project. Right. Now they're doing their own project and it's benefiting you. And that's a huge yeah. difference. It was interesting because I used to be in charge of the farmer's market and um, things that I would do for that market is I was in charge of an information booth and I would have probably 10 different volunteers come in and out of that booth every day. And one thing that was interesting is I would let each volunteer set up the booth to their own preferences. And so I had the booth set up exactly how I wanted. But when a different volunteer came in, instead of telling her or him exactly how to do it, I would say, here's how I do it, what do you think? And they would come up with all sorts of different things. Like sometimes it would be focused on dogs, and there would be like dog dishes out there, and like they would give away doggy treats because that's what they were passionate about. And some people were so passionate about like getting people's emails and like soliciting for um, them to become part of our club. And it was just interesting when I opened it up to people how cool the ideas were and how the booth became better and better over time when I would have never thought of those things. You talk about a pie that you eat sometimes. What is that? <laughs> the pie that you take a bite out of. Tell us about that. Um, I'm not sure 
Oh, okay. And you had you had sent me a note about are. your your I rule the world pie. Oh, I'm sorry. I had taken that off of my list. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think sometimes it helps me a little bit because when you're delegating tasks, you're losing that control. You know, so you feel a little. I maybe this is just me because I'm younger. But let's say I have 15 people under me, and each of them now have a little piece of my responsibility. And mm. so I kind of feel like I am diminishing and they're gaining. But you have to realize that when you're delegating, you're really on top of the world. And let's say you delegate a lot of your responsibility, and it feels like you could just step out. But the truth is, is that, People, other people don't like to delegate, you know, and what you're providing is huge to your company and to the situation. So even though it might feel like you're giving away your control and your responsibility, a lot of times you're actually enabling others to just grow in their own right, and they appreciate that, and they'll give back to you, and um, you're actually more powerful. So sometimes, just to encourage myself, I just remind myself that I'm actually on top of things, even if it feels like... I'm giving away my power. You just have to remember that you're really ruling the world. <laughs> I love that, and I really like I really like how you said how you said that so many people don't like to delegate. And when you're put in a position of delegation, you know that may be that may be that it feels great to you that that's you know your ideal situation. It may be that that's really a stretch for you. But if either way, you remember that a lot of people hate to be in charge of a team. They hate to do what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Hate to try to accomplish what you have to get done. And they're really just grateful for somebody to take the helm and you know steer the ship in the right direction and tell them what to do next. And and if you do that graciously, and in fact, Karen, is that you know does that have part of this too? As you're letting go, what what does your own attitude have to do with it? Well, this comes very naturally to me, so I don't really think about this part, but I'm just an incredibly positive person. And so when I'm delegating, um, my attitude is always that I'm delegating to someone with specific gifts and talents and that I can learn from everyone. You know, even if they're younger than me, even if they're less experienced than me. You know, even I've had, you know, lots of people with maybe mental handicaps or something like that under me, and it's amazing how much I can learn from these people. So I always approach it in the sense that um, I might be in charge, but I'm going to learn from you, and I'm going to try to serve you while I'm in charge. That's awesome. So important. This is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with my daughter, Karen Marie Swedberg, and we're talking about delegation and team building. We're going to take a break and come right back and talking about the role of fun in delegation and team building. We'll be right back. The fastest and easiest way to find out which major women's events are coming to your area is to visit www.womensevents.info. That's womensevents.info. It's the only directory of its kind, and it features all of the major events like Women of Faith, Beth Moore, E-Conference Women, and so many others. It's free to search, and you can find it all at womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we are having a great time this hour talking with my daughter, Karen, on the topic of management training, delegation, and team building. We were just talking about letting go versus losing control. And now we're going to move into a segment about fun and what to do when you have round pegs for square holes. Karen, what does fun have to do with anything in the work environment? 
Well, I chose this title because um, because of my dad. He bought a business, and when he first when you first buy a business, it's a little stressful. And he had employees under him who were working there. And during all the changes, um, he realized that everyone was getting a little frazzled. And so he would walk around the store and just say, are you having fun? And he would say it in such a gruff, manly voice that it was just exactly opposite of what you would want to hear when you were actually having fun. And so I labeled this section that way because it's really important how you get your people on the team and how you're presenting this opportunity, like your tone of voice, and maybe your words are right, but maybe your marketing is a little wrong. And so it's really how to get people on board with the task you want to get them. I actually remember that even. He would say, now you have to have fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, you're going to get in trouble if you don't have fun or something like if that. If you don't have fun right now, you're in trouble. It's like yeah. a rule. <laughs> But, you know, it's it's so important to a work environment, whether it's a volunteer or, you know, a, a, a Christian organization or a workplace. It doesn't even matter. It is so important that there is a positive um, vibration to the place, a positive attitude going on. And when we lose that, we lose so much. Karen, talk to us about how to maybe develop it or think about it. Well, I always think that developing it, I used to work for a nonprofit um, a couple years ago called Realize Bradenton, and we started this volunteer team. And this is a this is a great example for how to get people on board with your vision. Because when I started there, you know, we maybe had 40 people who were interested in the cause, and that was you know a good start, but not anywhere where we needed it. And so when we were creating our vision for what we wanted this volunteer team to look like we really focused on the vision of our company. So we could have focused on, you know, you get to go to Eventbrite, you get to do this or that. But we decided to focus on the benefit to the community and what the vision of the nonprofit was, which was creating a better future for Bradenton. And because we focused on just the overall vision, instead of short-term things such as you get to go to an event for free, the vision was because of your help, you know, we are creating a better community for Bradenton. And people really want to be on board with that. They want to be on board with a huge vision. They want to be part of the action. They want to be able to change the world and really have their input make a big difference. And so when you present the opportunity, it's just important to focus on the positive things and focus on the bigger picture. You took it kind of to another level, too, if I remember correctly, that you actually had um, fun parties to get people involved with it. That's true. So um, not only did we present the vision, but then we made it just super fun for people. We actually, um, because of how we approached this, we got to over 150 trained in, like they had gone through the training and were volunteering for us, um, 150 in three months, which I thought was just amazing. And then we were up to 250 in six months. And it just kept growing and growing. But what we did is we just made sure that um, our mission was first and foremost. Um, and then when the volunteers would come, we let them just realize how important they were. So I always made that the very highest person in the organization was there and would talk to the volunteers first, um, just so that they know that she was supporting them and that she recognized their efforts. 
And then we always um, did different themes, like we would have wine and cheese at the party, or we would do it in different places. Um, so since our vision was building the future of downtown Bradenton, let's say we had just built a brand new hotel. So we would have the party in the hotel lobby, you know, and we would just hook these parties into different places and we'd have ice cream parties and different things that would make it fun for people. And like we, um, we created a river walk, uh, one and a half mile long, beautiful river walk with a skate park and volleyball courts and splash parks. And so when we hosted the party, we hosted like three, four parties a year, you know, we would invite them to the river walk before it was opened and we would give them the tour and they were always on the cutting edge of what was coming up in Bradenton. And, like, they were the insides. They had the inside scoop on everything. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. And we talk about, we have a whole training in um, Marnie.com about recruiting volunteers. And that is one of the most important things is I love how you said you'd have the highest person in the organization come to make sure that the volunteers knew that they were really appreciated all the way from the top down to every level of the organization valued that they were there. And then to have to have them be on the insiders that yeah, people do love to be in the know. <laughs> the people that know about things first. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Talk about what happens when you get a volunteer or you get somebody on the team and it's really like having a round peg for a square hole. What do you do? All right. Well, um these situations are just when let's say it's not even that they're unable to do the thing. Let's say that someone's just having a bad day or something's just a little off where you need something done. The person you're trying to work with isn't quite in a position to be able to do it. Um, how do you turn this person's point of view around? And so this is something that I'm sort of natural at again, but I've tried to think through exactly what I do. And I really listen for keywords. So let's say I arrive to an event and I have 15 volunteers under me and one of the volunteers is just having a horrible day. I'll replay in my mind quick like our previous conversation. And let's say that volunteer mentioned that they had a two-year-old granddaughter before. I'll grab that piece of information because that's important to the volunteer. Their job is something like scanning tickets or something completely unrelated to this topic. But because they're having a bad day, I'll go up to them and I'll talk to them about their granddaughter, and I'll just take that time to kind of ease them and get them thinking about something positive and something that makes them happy. And because I do that, they end up being able to work a lot, and they end up being the correct fit for the day, even though maybe they didn't show up as the, the correct fit. Interesting. So that that is a really that's a really good uh, principle that we can apply all over the place. Um, whether you're in charge or it's a, not. It's important. It's especially important in delegation to really be a people person and really be listening for those things because a lot of delegation, even if you have authority, a lot of it is just getting people to like you, you know, because um, if they don't like you and if you can't show that you care about them as a person, you know, it's not going to you could get them to work for you just because of your authority, but they wouldn't be as loyal and they wouldn't be as happy. Um, my volunteers, like everyone, well, they're not mine, but the volunteers of Realize Bradenton, everyone would come up to me and just say, wow, this person did this. 
this person went out of their way, this person went out of their way this way. But I think it was a lot of the reason was because I recognized them for not only what they did for Realized Bradenton, but what they were doing for their families and what their interests and talents were. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they're round pay. Maybe I need just something really basic and, you know, they're not the perfect fit. But you have to remember that everyone's a person and everyone's growing and learning and um, they can fit. You know, maybe your square hole needs to be shaved a little bit, you know, so it fits them better. <laughs> yeah, just being flexible, being flexible. And I think mm-hmm. what you said in the section one, too, going back to letting go versus losing control is when you give a plus and situation, you're much more likely to have a fit even when it doesn't look like a fit to begin with. And, and, and it may you, extend the project. And, like, if let's say it's all about building relationship, too. So if you've come to them before, maybe um, they fit really well in a different situation, and in that situation you've already given them authority and responsibility, like, then um, when you're in this new situation, that kind of carries over, and um, they give you more grace, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, when you think about when you think about somebody that um, maybe came to um, one of your programs and just was totally a, a not a non-fit. I mean, it just didn't fit. Uh, what do you do? What do you do with those people then? I'm extremely nice to those people. Um, I, <laughs> I feel horrible usually because if they're a non-fit, it means that maybe as a leader I've overlooked something. Um, so really, I take responsibility for it. Um, one time I was uh, part of a blues festival and I was in charge of around 100 volunteers that day and I had really studied them and I tried to fit them into positions that I thought would fit them very well. But there was this little cute lady and I put her in charge of the media, people who would show up. And because she's just so kind and nice and I thought she would love to meet, you know, the newspapers and Um, TV hosts and everything like that. I thought she would love that position. But it turned out that she would have loved a monotonous, you know, just like like repetitive position. So I felt bad because she started getting frazzled because she was talking to all these new people and trying to find their names on the list. Anyway, so what I did in that situation is I would bring her water all the time. I'd bring her cookies. I would, you know, take time to talk to her. And as soon as possible, I, you know, figured out a way to get her out of that position into something she was more comfortable with. So just an awareness, an awareness. And and I think what you said was really helpful, too, because sometimes you can work extremely hard to have it all be right and find out, nope, it still isn't right. And then you just have to be willing to to adjust on the fly just to, to make the make the situation the best possible. Interesting. Yep. And how about how about if you had a, how about if you had someone um, want to be a volunteer and you just couldn't you actually couldn't think of a job that they could do. Or let's say um, not in the volunteer situation because usually there's something there, but how about in a business situation if if you have someone that applies to your business and they just aren't a good fit and it's like you like them as a person but they just aren't going to work out with the team. Um, do you have do you have kind of a philosophy on that at all at this point? Um, you know, I don't hire people or let people on my team that I don't respect. Uh, so if there was someone that I wouldn't respect enough to be on the team, or you're talking kind of about how to let them down easy, is that mm-hmm. it? You know, yeah. there's 
there's lots of ways to let a person down easy. Um, you just find an excuse. I just look at people, and it's, again, listening for their cues, you know. So if I notice that someone said something about their granddaughter earlier, you know, there's other cues that will let me know. Um, for example, let's say while I was talking to someone, they mentioned that easily. And so if they want to come and help at the Blues Festival, what I could say then to get them to not want to help is I could say, oh, yeah, but we'll be in the sun all day, you know. And then they don't want to help. And so I'm not ever actually rejecting them. I'm like, why are we Helping them do what they want. (laughs) Yeah, helping them decide not to want to help. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I want to motivate or demotivate people. Yeah, right. And I want to just, for those of you that are listening, um, just to encourage you that there will probably eventually come into your sphere of influence someone who isn't a good fit for your team. And it's really oh, yeah, important the sake of the te- Yeah, it's important for the sake of the team that you do be the person in charge and make the hard decision, but that you let that other person down gently, as gently as possible. One of the things we do with our businesses when we can't hire someone is we actually respond to their um, we respond to their application with a coupon that's worth something for free in our restaurant or if they apply to the retail store in our store, and that yeah, way they good, have a yeah. good feeling. Yeah, they have a good feeling about you. And you could even, if you're in an event planning situation, um, give them a free ticket to something or whatever, and just let them know we really love you. We just we just don't have a position for you right now. And I want to just before we move on to the next one because. I love the I love the title. The next section is is called "Can You Draw Better Than a Two Year Old?" But before we leave this round pegs and square holes thing, it's so important that you have the right people to the other right people that are good for them. Um, another way that mm-hmm. we can really get into trouble on our teams is putting two people on the same mini team then, who are just really a bad fit. And again, like with um, mm-hmm. Karen's gal, that was the media gal. If if you're just aware of the fact that that might eventually happen, you didn't plan it that way, but you just need to make the adjustment as quickly as possible and uh, get that get that fixed around. Karen, before we leave this topic, did you have any other thoughts on the round peg square holes? Um, maybe just something on what you said. Sometimes you can't keep a person off your team. Like let's say your boss just hands you someone and yeah, says, plug them in, and you say, I would never, ever choose this person. So when I'm in that situation, and sometimes I've been in very uncomfortable situations, uh, what I have to do then is I have to rearrange my team so that either I or someone I trust is watching that person. Because I don't want to leave them alone where they could potentially hurt the reputation of the company or do something else along that matter. So I actually rearrange my team, and maybe something gets left out. But I think it's just important if you're uncomfortable with something, to make sure it gets covered. Don't, you know, don't entrust responsibility to a person unless you trust them. That's such a great, such great feedback, and yet you can, you can still do what you're asked to do, uh, respect the person who's in charge, but then just make it work. Take the responsibility yourself. And I, I hope that that's a recurring thing that I keep hearing in this program is passing responsibility and taking responsibility. And we're going to be right back and talk about, can you draw better than a two-year-old? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
successfully maximizing the gifts God has given us is the best gift that we can give back to God. Are you 100% clear about why you're here, about how God defines success for you personally? Are you on track with God's plan for your life, the best life on planet Earth, followed by the best possible eternity for you? If not, check out the Success Principles Intensive Training course over at Marnie.com. It's a six-hour online program that will change how you define and do your life from today forward. It's a biblically-based approach to goal-setting and achievement. So check it out under the training tab at Marnie.com. Well, hi, and welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and it's always so fun to have you guys with us when we're doing this program every week. And uh, a lot of you listen live. Welcome to you today, and to those of you who are listening to the archives over at Marnie.com, welcome to you. Our guest today is Karen Swedberg. She is my daughter, and I love her so much, and I'm so proud of her. And she's here talking to us about management training, delegation, and team building. The next section, Karen, is called Can You Draw Better Than a Two-Year-Old? And I'm just going to let you launch away into that, and I'm so curious what you have to say. Okay, this one is um, kind of my approach to delegation, and it's based on more of a volunteer coordinator approach. Um, if I'm in charge of a team of staff, um, I might expect more of them, but I just wanted to include this in case you are in charge of volunteers or in case your staff isn't completely under your control, you know, someone else is hiring people and you're just you know, have to use some people, it's kind of a way to approach it. So um, I call it, can you draw better than a two-year-old? And really what it is, is um, you are a very competent, capable, capable manager, and you kind of know what your responsibilities are and how to get them done. And uh, then you have to give away some of that um, control or let go of some of that control to someone else. And sometimes that person isn't the professional photographer that you'd like, but rather um, a 13-year-old kid who has Instagram, you know, which is completely different, and um, it's going to be harder for you to let go because you know that you could actually do it better than them. And in this situation, I just try to kind of use a mom approach, um, especially in the volunteer situation. Um, An example of that is At the farmer's market, I had worked at my company for several years, and so I knew a lot. I I was a competent individual, and I could answer any question, and I was so friendly with people. I'd always get them engaged, and they'd want to give me their email, and they'd always want to join the team. But then I I would let go of some of that control and let the volunteers do it, and they would have different styles and different approaches to it. Um, and they wouldn't know all the answers to the questions. And it's hard sometimes to let someone do the job because they're not as good as you. And so in this situation, you have to just decide to be a leader and decide to be to let them grow up. And to grow up, they need to be able to test their own skills. They need to be able to draw outside of the lines for a bit while they learn how to draw inside the lines. And this is really just, you know, being able to mentor that person and accept them how they are and let them make mistakes. But, you know, keep it controlled environment, but just let them not be as perfect and wonderful as you are, but still appreciate them for who they are. I love that you use the mom. <laughs> the mom analogy. Uh, I, when I when I do trainings, 
on the success principles of Olympians, presidents, and CEOs. One of the things that they talk about is the extension or the delegation of responsibility and where that starts. And I use the analogy of, Karen, you when you were a baby or our kids here, um, when you guys were little, when you were in the bathtub, just teeny tiny little baby, hardly can sit up on your own, but you're able to sit up, you'd play with toys in the tub. And as soon as the bath time was over, I would put your little tiny baby hand inside of my big mom hand, and I would help you pick up each toy and put the toys uh-huh. into the little bag. And pretty soon, uh, we'd get all the toys in the bag, and we'd snuggle. And after a while, you kids began to be able to, even at a tiny little age, you would be done with your bath, so you'd be like, I think I want to get out. But instead of just saying all done, you would just put all the toys in the bag, <laughs> You would stand up and say, all done, (laughs) because you had learned the process. And it's so much like that in delegating with other people. If you can be gentle in how you're training them, a lot of times they don't even feel you training them. It's just like like it was their idea to begin with. That's how they want to do it. And that's in a perfect world, that can happen in a, in a leadership role. Sometimes, obviously, there's professional trainings that they need to go through and different things that they feel the training. But a lot of it is just you modeling for them the right behavior and applauding the right behavior. Right. And that's the, there's two parts to that. The one is letting them draw, you know, so letting them actually do the behavior but then the second one, like you said, is just rewarding them and praising them for the job they did. So if a two-year-old comes up to you and has drawn you a picture, even if it's not perfect, if they gave their best effort and you can see them growing and trying to do better and better, you know, you would praise them. You would maybe even put that picture on your refrigerator, you know, and you would let them know that their effort was appreciated, even if it wasn't perfect. And so whenever possible, you know, you need to become your team's or, you know, your coworker's biggest fan. I love that. And and it's actually it actually takes work to do that, you guys. You and those of you who are in leadership know how easy it is not to praise and how easy it is to critique all the time. To just be in that mode to see what they're doing wrong. But the the reality is you can only pick out a couple things that they're doing wrong at any given time and in the middle of all that, you know, a few ten things that they've done wrong, they've probably done dozens or hundreds of things right. And so it's it's a choice a choice of what to look at. When you are uh, when you are working with uh, someone who's not doing not doing it correctly, uh, do you, do you have a do you have a like a series that you go through, or do you just play it by ear with each one, or how do you how do you go about the correction the correction process? The correction process is very um, hard to do. Uh, I don't know anyone who just is extremely good at this process. Because people are emotional beings, and uh, any time we're critiqued, it just stands out in our memory so much stronger than praise. So you have to be careful, especially like I was working with volunteers, you have to be really careful what you say. So in a situation where I would need to talk to someone, I try to do, in a volunteer situation, I try to do 15 praises per one critique a lot. That takes a lot of effort, and it takes, yeah, you just have to really be on top of your game to keep it to that ratio where they know that they're more appreciated, especially as a volunteer. Like, they don't have to give their time, and if they feel like you're disrespecting them or 
like you think you could do it better, they'll just stop. And so it's really important to make sure they understand that you appreciate them. So sometimes what I do even is (laughs) in a really bad situation, I'll set a timer on my cell phone. And so I'll set a timer for 30 minutes or something where until that timer goes off, I can't say one thing negative, even if that person makes a mistake. I just have to be positive for those 30 minutes. And after the 30 minutes, if that thing is still bugging me, then I can say something. And I've used that a lot of times just to keep my tongue quiet. But I would just much rather let a person do something a little bit wrong rather than um, risk the entire relationship. And if it's something big wrong, I mean, that's, that's a different situation. But most of the things is like we have a gut reaction, at which point we could maybe over um, over fatigue someone. So that's the thing that you want to avoid. That's such a good advice. And, and the, the reality, too, is usually after you wait that long, not only not only maybe won't you say something, but if you do end up saying something, you're not as emotionally charged as you were when you first saw it being done wrong and you've kind of put things a little more into perspective. I've, I love that. And you have, a, you have a concept you call the R concept. What is that? Um, that's one of the things that I don't remember. I wrote this, okay. uh, I wrote this, uh, <laughs> this outline a couple of weeks ago and then I told mom, I'm like, I don't really remember all the things I wrote down. So, um, but <laughs> I wasn't going to ask her about them, <laughs> but I'm just so curious. <laughs> on, that, on that issue of, um, of, uh, correcting someone, another interesting way I go about it is if you can hold your tongue for that 30 minutes. Of course, it's going to be playing in your mind the entire time because it's going to bug you. And so you're going to be thinking about it the entire 30 minutes, even if you're controlling yourself not to say anything. And so in those 30 minutes, go back to the and or or game and try to think of a different approach to it. So maybe someone is saying something in a, a, a way you wouldn't like them to say it. Instead of approaching them and saying, hey, you know, can you say it this way instead of that way, which is and or or, you say, we would really like our customers to feel this way when they walk out of the door. What are some of your ideas to make them feel better? And then if the person comes up with their own ideas for fixing it, then it's not as negative in their memory as if you just come and show them the answer. Because you're just adding one more one more idea versus clobbering them with the only way to do it, the only right way. Yeah. Yeah, and you're also letting them come up with idea, which um, which makes it they actually don't remember then that you corrected them. They just remember, <laughs> oh, I came up with this brilliant idea. I brilliant. You know when so you uh, them, yeah when, when you think about sports teams and um, the synergy it takes to have a winning sports team, most most of the time you have to have a team of people who are, you know, obviously they have the same goal, uh, they want to win, but then that they're willing to really pass the ball to each other, to work with each other, to mm-hmm. really uh, coordinate and cooperate for the benefit of the team, not just for the individual benefit. And we're going to talk next about uh, why we should leave hand-holding to lovers. And I, lo- I love the title that I, I was thinking about coming into this section about the the importance of the team. And when Karen was describing, you know, the correction process there, you might be thinking it sounds a little manipulative. And, and really, um, parenting is very manipulative, <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, because you really are using 
using what God's given you, and I, I've always thought of it that way, using what God's given you in order to challenge and to develop a person to their highest of, you know, level possible within the sphere of what you have and not to, not to take them too far too fast, not to push them too hard or not to let them lag behind too far, but to actually be working to develop each person to the best of your ability as a person who's responsible for that at the time. And in any kind of a leadership role, you've got that same thing going on. You have people who come to you, and I always tell my staff at, at the local businesses here, every person on this team has strengths and weaknesses. And we are not going to sit around and throw darts at anybody's weaknesses because we all have them. What we're going to do is love covers the multitude of sins. We are going to we are going to help and come and support each other in our areas of weaknesses, and we're going to put everybody out there on their areas of strengths. You know, we're going to really count on that person to to be pulling the weight there that they can pull because of their areas of strength. So I just encourage you that as a leader, you may at some point feel like you're being a little manipulative. Maybe you're using a piece of information that they told you prior in order to help them accomplish your goal for the day. But the reality is if they're on your team, they're there because they want to be there. They've made the commitment. They've made the decision to let you be their leader. And it's your responsibility then to develop them to the highest level possible. Karen, before we go into the wily hand-holding to lovers, uh, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, um, the way I think about it, uh, manipulative is a very negative word. And so I never really think of it, but if if we're going to use that word, um, really you have the choice of responding to situations in multiple ways. And how you respond is, if we're going to use that word, manipulative no matter how you do it. So if you respond one way, you're going to produce a response in the other person no matter what. So are you trying to produce a negative response? a positive response, a mediocre response, you know, no matter what you say, you're going to produce a response. So I just choose to produce a response that's positive rather than negative. Love that. Love that. And and I just encourage you um, that are listening, that are new, new to leadership, uh, just Karen, what you said, it's not the right word to use. It's really not the right word, but sometimes it's a word that in a new leader's mind, it, it's there and it bothers you to feel like mm-hmm. you're manipulating. But the, but the reality is you're going to have an outcome no matter what you do. <laughs> and you, right. want, you want the outcome to be the best possible outcome for the people involved, not only just for the, the team and for the you know, goal of the project or whatever, but for every person involved. And everybody's learning. I loved how you talked about the square peg and the round hole. Everybody's learning and growing it. And we don't just throw the towel in on somebody and say, well, you can never learn that or you, you, you can't possibly help me here uh, because people do keep changing. Let's talk about the concept of uh, hand-holding and lovers. So what's that all about? Mm-hmm. Well, this is another thing where, um, so we just came off of can you draw better than a two-year-old where, some people really do need to be, you need to hand, hold their hand, just like your example of me in the bathtub and showing me how to pick up my toys. You have to train them and you have to really watch over them while they're learning. But then on the other hand, sometimes you have these wonderful, competent, professional people working for you that are as good or better than you. But sometimes if you're into this um, pattern already of you know, helping someone learn, it can be hard to just give someone control. And so when you're in the process of delegating, you'll start small with little tasks 
and if you're wise, you know, they'll succeed at the little tasks, and, you know, give them a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then all of a sudden you have this team underneath you that is in trust and that sometimes you turn around and you're just surprised because they're doing such a better job at it than even you, you could have done. And that's where you just feel so wonderful as a leader and you feel like you've really helped these people grow and learn and that your team is just a well-oiled machine. And that's when you have to kind of change your perspective a little bit and let people really start, you know, initiating a little bit on their own. And you have to just back off and say, I've done my job. Now I can let them have some responsibility. Now I can let them start coming up with their own things. So on this one, it's just you find great people or you build those great people, and then you give them the necessary resources and responsibility, and then you just leave them alone. You still have those check-in points. You still have, you know, your security things where, if something's out of line, you know, the bells will go off and you'll have to check in. But it's really releasing some of that control then and letting them be part of the team. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that um, we learned at our, our retail store, we have a retail store that has 12 departments and it includes an espresso cafe. And what we learned was that it really does matter which order you train people in on things. And Karen, I loved how you said, you know, start with the smaller things and build up. And it's also important that wherever you start is kind of foundational so that they have the underlying reasons why as they move up into Mm -hmm. the higher uh, levels of decision making. If they can understand the why behind what they're being asked to do, it will help so much. So we had started by training everybody in in the coffee shop because we felt like that had the most um, technical aspect to it. If they didn't learn it right away, it might be hard to get them up to speed later on. But what we found was that we couldn't do it that way, that we had to start them at the front till because that the front till was where the training included the principles by which we do business, how we treat the customer, how we, how we view a sale. It's not just money in the till. It's actually a transaction with a human being. <laughs> and, you know, you look in their eyes. And, and that's really where we trained um, the tone of voice that you use when you're on the phone or on the intercom. And we train all those things at the front till. So what we found was that we had to flip how we were doing it. And that works so much better now when we have, you know, the horse be in front of the cart instead of the wrong way around. And again, you know, like what you had mentioned too, is starting with a smaller project, starting with something more manageable and giving them bigger responsibilities along the way. The additional benefit to that is that they're, under, they're coming to understand your philosophy of existence. Why are, what's your vision? What's your mission? Why are you there? They get in on conversations and get to overhear things that when they're doing a lower level of responsibility that they would never get if they had to take responsibility for a whole department. Karen, did you ever have uh, somebody come in that you were able to just put right at the top right away, or did everybody kind of have to oh, go yeah. through? No, yeah. I've definitely had the people who just shine. It's, they walk it's really in, wonderful. Yeah, they walk in ready. <laughs> yeah, they just walk in, and it's really just about being open because I wouldn't know they had the strength unless I talked to them. But sometimes people walk in, and they are just a huge asset to the team right off the bat, and they take, you know, you can really just let them let them run right off. Yeah. One of the things we've learned, too, is to ask 
specific questions, um, and, and the questions I ask our applicants at the restaurant are very different from the questions I ask at the retail store because we're looking for different skill sets. And wherever you are, what you want to do is you want to look at the people who you wish you could clone. Who, who are the people in your team, on your team already, that you're like, oh, I just wish I had 10 like so-and-so. And then you just want to write down the, the answer to the question, why? Why? What is it about that person that is so remarkable compared to the other people who are on your team that are also good and pulling weight but not the same uh, ideal like uh, set of skills. And then as you're looking for new people, you're looking for people who have more of that set of skills instead of just random skills can fit in here or there. But you're looking for those people that are really well-rounded. Karen, when you, are, when you are doing the releasing process, let's say that you've moved somebody up and um, and now they, they would really like to do a job over there. They see this other job over there, but uh, you're not quite sure that they're ready. Have you had that happen? Um, I, I don't know because if someone has a desire to go into a new position, I usually take them pretty seriously because they're initiating with me. They're taking responsibility. They're showing initiative. And so when they want to go into a different position, I take them very seriously and I'll sit down with them and talk to them about why they think that's a good fit and, you know, what was a good fit about the last position. And um, I'll let them really sell it to me. And if they can do a good job selling, that's great. But otherwise, I'm pretty fast on my feet and I can usually talk them into their old position if I don't think it's a good fit. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'll great. be like, but oh, remember how awesome this is? <laughs> you know, right. and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I actually do like my old position. Right, right. Yeah, one, and, and I think that what you were saying was so true, too. One of the things is that people will often look over at a different position and see just the green grass side of it. They don't see any of the weeds. They don't see any of the water right. that it has to do or the mowing or the raking. Or, you know, they just look at the, the green grass side of it. And it, it can help if, if you're pretty sure that that person isn't a good fit then to just um, – to just say, you know, I'd really like you to think about this a little more before we take any action. The one thing I'd like to do is just go through with you some of the, you know, strengths and uh, some of the pros and the cons of that particular position uh, because there are some great things about it, some really hard things about it, and we just want to make sure you're a right fit. And uh, we, went to, um, we went to Compassion International several years ago and met with Wes Stafford there when he was the CEO. And, and one of the things he said to us was so powerful because Dave had asked him, in your, in your role as leader here, what is the most important thing? And he had said getting the right people into the right position. And there, it's so true that if you have people working in their areas of skill, working in their areas of passion, working with people who are good fits for them, you will have a much more enjoyable experience as a leader, as an owner, as a director, whatever. It's going to make your life and theirs so much more enjoyable than if you get people into the wrong positions. And sometimes we talked earlier about stretching them or stretching the position to make it fit, but uh, you don't want to be doing that all the time with everybody because otherwise it's going to be pretty hard to make the wheels spin. (laughs) Karen, the last point you have here is uh, how can you lose the wrapping but keep the chocolate? I love that. Well, I wanted to put this point in because I am a young professional and I have had 10 years of experience, but I know there's a lot of listeners out there who have probably been in this profession for a very long time and know a lot of stuff. So I just want to encourage everyone that there's a lot of training, you know, at my mom's site and at different sites on this topic. 
and maybe some of my styles and personality quirks don't fit you very well. So just take what makes sense to you. Take what fits with you. Take the little nuggets that you've learned. Um, But then, you know, if something doesn't resonate with you, don't try to force yourself to do it my way. Mine's just one style out of hundreds, and I hope that I've been able to encourage your listeners, but um, that they'll be able to just apply the principles that have um, really resonated with them. I love that. I have I have a word picture myself. I like your word picture about uh, losing the wrapping and keeping the chocolate. I have one myself, and I, I open my hand in front of me, and I extend my hand towards someone with a piece of advice or whatever. But then I always say, you know, just just blow on it, and and it's like the chaff separates from the grain, and you keep the grain and you let the rest of it go because, like Karen said it might not be the same situation for you in that situation. My advice may not be good, but it's most likely that when you're receiving advice from someone who's possibly a little bit farther down the road from you or just looking at the same elephant from a different perspective, that there will be something useful in there for you and that if you will just take the time to listen, to absorb, to think it through, and then to blow the rest away and keep the good stuff, you will be so much farther ahead. And that's why we do these programs every week and, and just love love having all of these available to you in the uh, membership program over at marty.com. Karen Marie Swedberg, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> we did awesome, like usual, and I can't wait for you guys to get to know Karen better. You've got the download there. You can visit her over at LinkedIn or at Facebook, and uh, this training will also go into the archive over at Marnie.com, and you can check it out there. Thank you all for just, being here. Had a, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. Oh, I would just like to say, I mean, Mom, I respect you so much, and I've just learned so much from you and your listeners. So if anyone's listening today who is interested in this topic or maybe has advice or input like I am totally okay if they contact me via LinkedIn or Facebook and I would love to be able to connect with them or even you know have a discussion if they had questions on any of these points oh awesome that's great and you guys the listener notes are always available at Marnie's friends right when the show is live otherwise in the mentorship program afterwards and that's where the connection is for Karen all right thanks for being here you guys have a great day great rest of the weekend we'll see you next time bye-bye registered to receive the Marnie Minute? Have you sometimes missed out on training or connection opportunities because you didn't know about them in advance? Visit Marnie.com and select free updates to receive email notifications so you will never miss a beat. That's free updates over at Marnie.com.